to the Public Speaking Experts Podcast with Elliot Kay and Jose Yukar. Every week we bring the tips, tools, and strategies for you to become a world-class public speaker. We bring you guests, experts, and authorities in the field of public speaking to enrich you and enhance your public speaking journey. Remember to subscribe, rate, and comment. And now, please welcome your hosts, Elliot and Jose. It's Monday, it's Public Speaking Expert Podcast Day, although we release these on Saturday, so really me saying it on Monday kind of defeats the object because they come out every Saturday uh, and then they recycled again, Every it's very confusing. Anyway, it's Monday, we are recording the Public Speaking Expert Podcast Day and unfortunately we need to... Um, we need to send Jose some love, don't we, Jose? Because you know you're not, you're not, you're normal. So no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with my love. I it's love just that. All right, there we go. Okay. Well, I, I don't want any love. I don't want any respect. You don't I want just any want love. you people. No, I don't want. Not from you. I've, I've had plenty. And look at my no. voice. Yeah, there we go. Plenty, plenty of love. Look, I'm happy to be here because, as usual, we've got an incredible guest. I'm not happy to be here because of you, Elliot K. I'm, I'm <laughs> pissed off. Yes, I'm telling you, buddy. Listen, you making up that you've got a couple, maybe. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking. I haven't said a thing. I've got a cold. Ooh, look at me. I'm still showing up. I'm so hard. I'm so tough. So why 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 are you playing the stereotype? Is it because I'm Venezuelan and I've got the accent oh, and everything else? That's 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 a bit that's a bit racist. <laughs> how how did so you people... get there? How did you get there? I, I said nothing about race. I didn't say anything about accent. I can't believe you pulled that. You see, you pretending. I've done it. I've done it already. Has nothing to do with your accent or race or anything. You're Whatever. Just a terrible actor. We know that you're actually okay. You're not really from Venezuela, you're from Sheffield. We know it. We know the truth. Yes, yeah, yes, mate, yeah. <laughs> why, do you, why do you keep pretending? Oh, I'm from Venezuela. I, well, I don't yeah. know. I like to play. I like to play that card. Oh, yeah, I mean, it does, it, does help, it does help me. Well, it helped me with my wife anyway. I'm not going to speak about that today. Look, <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Shall we introduce our incredible guest or are we going to leave him waiting a, little, a bit more? No, no, I'm fine. Think, you I carry think... on. I've got a cappuccino. Oh, okay. it's all good. He, he, there we go. So he can't, he can't wait. Paul, you just wait in there, buddy, because we're going to give you a huge intro. And then you can do whatever you like when we give you the space. Uh, Elliot, okay, are you happy to, to introduce Paul Avings or should I? I think you should because you seem eager to do it. So I think, I think you should. <laughs> oh, I'm eager to do it. Well, you know what? Today, yes, well, I'm, I was about to do it. So you just interrupted me again, yeah? People, I'm, I, I'm gonna play. I'm going to play the power of the pause, okay, for a moment, Ooh. because I want you to think about what I'm about to say next. We've got an incredible speaker, an amazing business owner, a powerful coach, a mentor, an investor, the guy that is going to help you scale up. He provides masterminds, boot camps, events, coaching, and more. People, give it a huge round of applause. Huge round of applause. Elliot, help me in the background to introduce the one and only Paul Avins to the Public Speaking Expert Show. I'm, I'm going to save that uh, if I can have that as an audio file. And anytime I'm not feeling good about myself, I can just play that. Right? That'd be great. Thank you, yeah, thank you so much. You see, the voice does help, Paul. It's I know, I know, it, it is uplifting. 
It is. I think you it should is. change your name to Snotface. <laughs> Look, <laughs> not you, Paul. You no, guys. definitely. Yeah, no. I, I, I'm. I just wait because I'm gonna meet you in the next couple of months in person, and you're gonna eat some sand. <laughs> promises, promises, darling. Yes, I know. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, Paul, welcome to the Public, Speak, Public Speaking Public Speaking Expert Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. You're Thank a you. man who's highly established, who's done a lot in his time, and right. still doing a lot, by the way. <laughs> You're not yes. at the end of your road by any means. So, no tell us a little bit about um, how you started, got going, and you know what got you here thus far, besides lots of success and trials and tribulations. Yeah, lots of lots of lots of rides on the roller coaster of up and down. I think is the journey of it. Um, I mean, if we go back years. Um, I suppose my first exposure to public speaking in terms of seeing somebody that um, changed my life was when I got dragged screaming and kicking at the age of 19 to a, um, a network marketing conference oh, yeah. by um, somebody I was in a relationship with at the time. Um, and I really wasn't very interested in the whole thing and the business and everything, but I, I went along sort of begrudgingly, um, sat in the audience, and I think it was uh, it was the Birmingham Indoor Arena, I think if I remember rightly, and there, there were five and a half thousand people or something like that. Uh, and... I remember sitting in the in the audience and watching this person come out on stage and and share you know insights, personal development, knowledge, wisdom, tips, and uh, they said something that changed my life at that particular point. And what they said was that um, if you take ten percent of everything you earn for the rest of your life and invest it back in training and developing yourself, then you're you know you're always going to be able to keep adding value and you're going to keep improving the product and the, you being the product. And if you think, and that was. And somebody hadn't done very well at school educationally, you know, I'd struggled because I wasn't diagnosed until I was dyslexic when I was uh, diagnosed at 15, so fairly late in terms of academically at the time. Um, so for me, I, I'd never really bought into the, the education thing. I'd always found it hard, right? I'd, I was better at things that were more physical learning. So um, I was good in teams. I was good sports, things that involved that element of it. Um, but then this person on stage said, you know, take 10% and invest it back in, in, in training you. And I thought, yeah, that's it. That's a gr- I buy that. I'm going to buy into that philosophy. I'm going to buy that um, for the rest of my life. And I started, and that was really kind of the first exposure to somebody on stage who had a profound impact on my life and said something that changed my life. And then I started, you know, back then, back in the day, I'll show my age now, but back in my, the day I used to buy um, tapes and listen to them. I drove <laughs> around in the car and listened to speakers like Ryan Tracy, Zig Ziglar, you know, the greats, the, the, the legends of the industry. And I just thought, yeah. you know, that's what I want to do in my life. I, I want to impact people in a positive way. And, and I see uh, the, the opportunity to go on stage and do that being a way to, to, to impact lots of people and make a difference. And I didn't understand the industry, didn't understand the business at the time. I just knew that there was a part of me that wanted to end up on stage sharing and, and training and making a difference. And, and, you know, definitely had some interesting pieces of feedback from people around me in my life at that point who said, why, what the heck makes you think you can do anything like that? And how can you make a living doing that? And all of that kind of stuff that happened back then. Um, but that was really kind of my introduction to this whole idea of kind of how do you, you know, becoming a perfect quote unquote professional speaker. And, um, for me, it's it's just a skill set in in terms of the expert business model. For me, that's the way I tend to view it. It's like if you're going to build an expert business model, whether that's publishing events, um, speaking is one of the skills. And if you're a, if you're a business, but if you're a business owner who wants to be seen as an expert in anything you do, your ability to stand up and convey value and your ability to solve problems is a skill set. Right? It is a skill set. Whether you do that as a full time profession or not, it's still a massively powerful skill set. And um, you know, over the years of running. 
I ran a networking club in Oxford for 11 years and it was amazing how many people would come into that environment and struggle to stand up and give a you know, one minute presentation about who they are, what they did, the problem they solved for people um, and do it in a way that conveyed that had you believe them that they could genuinely do what they said, right? And most people just were so bad at that that a lot of the coaching I used to give people back in those early days was very much about how to take that message and put it into a format that people could digest remember and share that's the key mm. things right it's not di just digest it's remember it but share it with people when they left the room so that they could help generate business for you so you know that was you know that was i suppose where i really learned and honed my craft because i was on stage every two weeks running this networking club for 11 years straight rain or shine every two weeks in front of 35 to 55 people on a regular basis and then twice a year we'd run big events where we'd have 100 120 people in the room um, but it, that, that forced repetition, just, it, it's that 10,000 hours piece, right? It was, it was just going back and doing it again and again and again, every two weeks was the thing that, that really kind of served me in terms of just skill. I just, I developed the skill of going on stage and feeling comfortable and learning and then going and, you know, getting speaking coaches and then getting trained to run events and things like that. But it was that discipline of being on stage every two weeks, which I think I was very blessed at the time. I didn't realize just how lucky that was because I think a lot of people in this industry, you get to go on stage and do something and then maybe you don't go on stage for another month or you, you know, you don't get the repetition, the, the frequency at an intense enough level to get good really quickly. Whereas because I was doing the club and the reason I actually started the club in the first place was because I, I got fed up going to other people's networking events and thinking mm. they were run really badly. I could do a better job of it. So I thought, well, that way I get to be at the front of the room, which was good expert positioning. Right. Yeah. So for me, that, that made a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's where my career really started out in terms of officially, you know, if you were going to go public speaking, that's where it started. But the passion started from being in that auditorium and seeing, that person come out on stage and speak and share that lesson around 10%. That, that was, that was when I just went, I want to do, I want to do that, whatever that mm. is. And however that works, I want to be on stage like he is doing what he's doing and, and figuring the rest out from there. Nice. By the way, if you can hear, apparently we've got Darth Vader on this, uh, on this recording with us as well. Just is that hear me? Jose is it, is it me? No, come on. Is it, can you really? <coughs> I can hear you. You're like, you sound like Darth Vader today. Paul, um, it's really interesting. So when for you was the moment where you were like moving from a speaker to like a professional speaker? When was that for you? The kind of key moment when you knew now like, hey, I'm a pro. I'm a, I'm a paid speaker. Oh, gosh. Um, I don't think I ever feel like that, if I'm entirely honest with you. I, I think... I, I, do you know what? I think that's a dangerous place to get to. If your ego goes, yeah, I've, I've cracked this. I'm, I'm sorted. I've, I've nailed it. I think it's dangerous. Um, for me, I like to be a student all the time. I never, ever, ever come off stage and can't think I could have done better with that. I could have improved that. You know, and I've made some horrific chat mistakes. I remember, um, this will make you laugh. I remember doing a 90 minute keynote presentation for an organization once and managing to cram in 110 slides. Wow. Now, I mean, that isn't close to death by PowerPoint, but it's about <laughs> as close as you'll get, right? Um, so, <laughs> you know, you go through, for me, if you can, if you stand up on stage, and in my head, if you stand up on stage and you make a presentation, the results in somebody giving you money, yeah, in some way, shape or form, right? So whether that's saying, yes, we want you to quote for a piece of work. Yes, we want you to come and um, mentor our team. Yes, you want us to come and work with us. Or you sell a specific course or a product or a program. 
then in my opinion, you're a professional, right? Because professional is getting paid to share your message. That's yep. that's the way I would use it. Right? So <clears throat> from that perspective, that's how I viewed professional. So the first time that I got paid to do that was 17, 18 years ago, just going going back that far. Um, but uh, you know, I've been members of the Professional Speakers Association on and off for 10 years at different times. I was at the conference there this this year. Mm-hmm. But it, for me, it, it's a mindset. It's, that's the mindset is when you decide to take this seriously as a career, not a part-time hobby, or you, you, know, you decide to say, right, this is it. This is what I'm going to dedicate my life to. And I see this being a, a part of a pillar that, that underpins everything I do as a business. That's when you become a professional. I think it's a mindset. And the minute people pay for that, you know that, okay, great, I found flow in terms of what I'm doing and what I'm saying and the speaker and the problem I'm solving. If that makes sense, anyway. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. Jose. Nice, nice and clear. I'm back. Darth Vader is back. I'm I'm loving <laughs> it, Paul. And Vader. I <laughs> look, if I think it's super important for our listeners to pay attention and, you know, think about that ten percent. Because that ten percent of reinvesting in ourselves is actually what's gonna get us far, as you well said. And I love the fact that you said, you know, you're always gonna be improving, you're always gonna be learning. And that's that's a way to go, you know, and that's always we always encourage people to to do. That's a kind of mindset as we call it, you know, mindset for of winners. Anyway, what what would you say nowadays are the main challenges? Because we get loads of people that want to become pay speakers, okay? And we get loads of messages and people interacting with the podcast. What would you say are the main challenges in the industry right now and what would you suggest these people go about them to overcome them? That's a good question. I mean, I think I think the technology has been a massive disruption for the speaking industry, obviously, right? And mm-hmm. I think, in a good way, it opened up a massive opportunity because everybody suddenly went on Zoom. It's interesting how many times I got asked to um, to deliver a program like this, and it's on Zoom, and and the quality is never as good as Riverside, right? No way near, not even close. And yet, most people won't make that investment. So, good job, you guys, right? By the way, straight away, right? And you know, for me. For me, if there's a single biggest opportunity right now, it's video. It has to be video, right? If you're not, I mean, and just to show you this, I, I believe enough in this that I bought a video production company in December. So, the, you know, I'm, I'm fundamentally, I'm an entrepreneur who speaks. I, I'm not just a speaker. That's one of my identities, but I'm fundamentally an entrepreneur, right? I like to build things that solve problems for people. And for me, the, the biggest thing i see is like 87 percent of all the traffic on the internet's going to the going to video you only have to look at platforms like tiktok in terms of where that's going and the in the growth curve compared you know uh, compared to facebook when its growth curve was there and if you're not consistently as a speaker or a coach or a trainer consultant or any kind of expert if you're not consistently putting out videos every single day or at least at least three times a week if you are not generating content and video you're you're not relevant 18 months from now you're not. Yeah, you're just not. Because I can point to you a number and number of clients and friends of mine in the industry who have YouTube channels that don't have massive platforms but have the right audience watching them, who have generated tens of thousands of pounds of, of sales off people watching videos and then reaching out and saying, Hey, can you know, can we can we do business? Can we hire you to come and speak? And even in the schools market, right? A very good friend of mine, Dave David Heiner, who you know, David Heiner talks about twenty five thousand pound contract he got directly off somebody watching a YouTube video and then reaching out to him. And I think and there's a four-part formula that I teach teach all the time, which is no like, trust, transact. If you're not consistently doing something every, every day that's raising your visibility, that's helping people get to know you, get to like you, get to trust you, where the transaction happens, which, you know, 
That can be online or offline. It can be in a phone call. It can be in a networking event. But the reality is video shortens the sales cycle time massively, like 80 to 90%. And it will, it will change the polarity of your business. And what I mean by that is rather than you as a coach and speaker trainer having to go out looking for work, you will start to attract people to you because they see you because you're always there, right? Because you're visible on LinkedIn, because you're posting content on LinkedIn every day, or you're sharing videos through two or three times a week. And it can be a one minute video. It doesn't have to be a massively long video. It doesn't have to be a, a podcast even, but it needs to be consistent. Whatever you decide to do for you, it needs to be consistent. And I think, you know, the challenge in the industry is that there's more noise than ever before. And um, there's a reason that the company that I bought in December, we rebranded it as Shatter Media, because everything for us is about messages that cut through. So it's how do we get you to cut through the noise? Because actually there's so much noise right now. Everybody's a coach. Everyone's a trainer. Everyone's, I've been doing this 17 years. And, you know, the difference now between the landscape, even 10 years ago and now is just, it, you know, if you've got a phone and, you're, and you think you can coach, you, you, can be a, you can be a speaker or you, can, you think you can, right? There's a difference between the two. But it, for me, it's about, look, you've got to demonstrate capability now at a level because everyone can say they're great and everyone, you know, but you've got to demonstrate capability over and over and over again. And it's got to be in a way that your audience gets it and in places that your audience are spending time and hanging out. And for me, most people can't be consistent enough, long enough. Consi- I, talked, I, I did a video on this the other day. Consistent and persistent. You've got to be, and then someone said, well, there's a third one, which is resilient. I said, yeah, but if you're consistent and persistent, you become resilient because of those two things. And it's like, you know, most people don't and most people won't, right? You ask people to show up to a gym three times a week. Yeah, I can do it for three months, but then I'm going to, I, I can't keep doing it, right? You ask somebody to post every day on LinkedIn for a year, most people will go 90 days and then give up and burn out and go, I can't do this, it doesn't work. And it's like, yeah, because all of the results take time. Visibility as a strategy takes a lot of time and most, most speakers want instant results because they need cash flow. And they're two different things. And I think you've got to understand about having um, multiple channels into your business, whatever your business is in, right? Whether it's webinars and you know, into, and it's that, it's LinkedIn, it's YouTube, as a speaker, you've got to go, right, I need to be present. I can't be present everywhere because I haven't got enough bandwidth or a team or whatever, but I need to be present in the right places, and then I need to decide how consistently I'm going to show up, and then I'm going to show up whether I feel like it or not, whether I want to do it or not, and I'm going to use automation and technology and leverage to do what I lack in, what I lack in talent I can make up for in technology and team, and then realize that that's, when you make that decision, suddenly all the excuses disappear. There aren't any excuses, right? Like, you, you know, you don't know how to use the tech on Riverside, hire somebody who does. You don't know how to, you know, you don't know how to put together a webinar, get a webinar coach and get coached on it and get, get it up and get it, put people in front of it. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter how great your content is, if people don't see it or engage it, engage with it, there's no way in the world they're ever going to hire you because they don't yeah. know who you are. So that, that visibility thing is the biggest single challenge right now for everybody. You've got to become more visible and it is consistency wins. Period. Consistency Consistency. Wins. Uh, Paul, thank you. Yeah, every time, every time we we strongly believe consistency is what, you know, yeah, help us make progress. Jesus, I'm very slow today. Look, Paul, I had another question for you quickly because we're always, when we speak about videos and I run a marketing business with my brother and we always on about this, is it quantity? Is it quality? Is it both? What's your answer to that one? It is both, but the question is how... So if you say that to most people, their brains melt. So they go, oh, God, I don't have the time to create tons of great quality content, right? Which is part of our, you know, 
um, not to do an advert, but part of our value proposition in the agency is we say, look, come into the studio for one day and we'll create enough content for 90 days on social. So like one day in a studio creates 90 days of content. So, okay, that's easier for people to do because it isn't as overwhelming. It's easier to go into a studio and be in that mindset for a day. The challenge here is it is a visibility war. It is, right? And you can't win the visib visibility war unless you put enough content out there. There has to be enough content out there, right? It, you know, if you look at, if you look at any great successful, look outside our industry, our profession. If you look at any great artist, let's, let's think of ourselves as artists because that's how I like to think of us. As my, you know, a speaker is an artist. We're a communicator, but we're an artist. That's what we do. PowerPoint slides, flip charts, they're, they're, they're your artistic tools to convey a message. That's what they are, right? And it staggers me how many speakers don't understand how to use all the tools in the toolkit. I mean, that's a whole other rant you can get me on if you want. But, <laughs> but the point here with this is that the the tool of being able to communicate is whether it's got to be a minute a day or it's got to be at least you know there's got to be long form videos that are for clients in your sales journey who need to find out more and then there's the hook there's the hook videos that get people to actually stop scrolling and pay attention to you for 30 seconds and they've all got a different purpose and a different point and this is about understanding your customer journey and who you're trying to talk to and what's going to get them to stop scrolling pay attention for you to watch something and then where's that going to lead them and then the content could get longer over time so they consume things that are longer to the point at which they consume 30-minute webinar or 45-minute webinar review. But that, if you start with that, it's too much, too early. You've got to start with the hook content that's, that's short and goes, okay, great, that gets, I, that, that's, that's relevant to me. That, that stops me in my mid-scroll and I'm going to listen to that for 30 or 90 or 60 seconds. So I think there's a reason why platforms like YouTube are starting to prioritize shorts. There's a reason why Instagram is liking things at 30 seconds or less. There's a reason, you know, there's a reason why TikTok is popular because of the length of videos. So it is, a, it is but if you think of yourself like an artist, so think of any great, uh, like let's just take the Beatles or Coldplay, anybody, right? It, like they, they create, the really successful artists create a lot of content. They create a lot of albums. That doesn't mean every album's a slam dunk, massive success, because it isn't. Because it can't be. Because you can't be creative and have everything work. If you're going to test the boundaries, if you're going to try things, if you're going to be creative, some of it's going to work, some of it's not. I've written books that have absolutely not been very successful at all. In fact, they've technically bombed, right? But do you know what? I've had one or two that have made me quarter of a million a year in coaching clients. Or I've had one or two that have gone, that one book generated £100,000 a year in mastermind sales or whatever it was, right? Because I wrote five of them. <laughs> so like it, it is a content battle there has to be enough out there for people to find the long tail that you're putting out and then go that that bit was really really good i mean there's a reason why some of the top people like gary v and, and other speakers in the industry you know whatever you think of them as individuals they're winning because they're, there's so much that you find or see and then you go that one appeals to me and now i go back and binge watch you know tons of other content that you've put out there so for me it, it is Yes, there needs to be quality, but it's data. I mean, I'm a big believer in act on fact and data driven. I can show you videos that are shot on an iPhone that outperform ones shot in a studio and they're beautifully edited. But I can show you really good videos in a studio that in the right point in a sales cycle to a corporate will be more attractive than an iPhone shot in your back garden. So again, it goes down to who's your audience and what are they looking for? If I'm looking for somebody to go on a keynote stage in front of 2,000, 3,000 salespeople, I'm going to want a video that shows that you've done that and that you're comfortable in that arena and it looks that professional. If, if all I can find is you in your back bedroom in an iPhone, I'm not going to make the connection between that and a full-blown stage. So with all of this, you have to think about what's the, what's the environment someone's going to hire me to speak in or what's the environment I'm going to get asked to go and speak on or in. 
And then the content I'm putting out needs to be a mix of two things. Uh, you've got to be human. You've got to come across now as a human being. <laughs> like, as, you know, you can't be so professional that you're not a human being. If we're going to get sick. Listen, it's going to happen. We're going to turn up places and we're not always going to be at our best. Or what's the stuff that the people want to know who you are because it's part of that no like trust transact so i want to know who what do you like as a human being like what do you like right not just what do you do but what do you like as a human being am i going to enjoy working with you is it going to be fun to hang around you is it going to be a laugh is it going to be crazy dancing or is it all going to be really serious with white shirts and you know red ties what's it going to be but also what 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 are you about right who are you what do you stand for what do you hate what do you stand against that stuff right um so i think you've got to does that answer the question? Because I've kind of rambled. A uh, no, I, I think, you know, perfect, perfect. Because you expanded on it and I'm sure the audience is going to highly benefit from it. So thank you very much for that, Paul. Yeah, loads of great information in there. I loved what you share. In, in the end, yes, it's the quality. It is the quantity. It's being mindful of the, of the buyer's journey, if you like, the sales cycle. And the audience as well. So being mindful of who the audience is and what is it that they would like to see to position yourself as that authority they would pay for or they would invite to speak, uh, whatever. Okay, so good stuff. Good stuff. Elliot, what have you got? Because you've been quiet. Elliot, just by the way, Elliot doesn't, doesn't like being quiet. And what, what, kind of, what kind of artist are you, Elliot K., when it comes to speaking? Who are you as, a, as an artist? Because I love that one. I think my wife is not going to like it that much because she's going to go, oh, my goodness, my ego is going to go to another level. So I'm not sure where you want me to go with it, but, you know, uh, <laughs> at least they know from where you've got it really wrong because, you know, according to Paul, no, like, trust, transact. So the no part you do really well. I'm not sure about the like and the trust part, and then therefore there's no transaction. So at least you know where you've been getting it wrong in that respect, Jose. Well, well, why are you talking about there's no transaction? You're here with me today, so <laughs> I, I, I transacted you a few know, times already. But I do do a lot of charity work, so, you know. <laughs> that, that's, that yeah, me, me, that. me, too, me too. Yeah, so you see, sorry, Paul. I mean, just, we're, yeah, the, he play, He just played the Latin American card. You oh, see, that was, that was racist. Yeah, yeah, because I haven't got enough money because I'm Venezuelan, right? Okay, let's crack on, let's crack on. Fantastic that. stuff. I didn't say that. What artist would I be? I think I'd be yeah. kind of like, in, in, if I was to be choose an artist as a, as a speaker, I think I'd be a big kind of monster rock type artist, you know, big stage, big energy, big gestures. Um, I think that would be my kind of artistic. That that is that is a lot to ask for a tiny man, but there we go. I respect that, Elliot. <laughs> go for it. Look, Fred, you brought up Freddie Mercury before. He was a very small man. Hey, yes, but Freddie, Freddie, is Freddie. Freddie is Freddie. Okay, he's right. an artist, right? That, that like an incredible artist. But but with that comes the risk with an artist is two things, in my experience, and this this works for speakers too. In my experience, number one, the biggest risk is your ego. That got me into huge amounts of trouble, massive mm. amounts of trouble, um, and nearly cost me, you know, not just my career, my profession, my health, my, but nearly cost me my life, right? So your, your ego is the thing that is the most dangerous thing. And the challenge with this industry is that the, big, the, the, more, the, the more successful you get, the more risk you become of the shadow self. I, I posted yeah. about this on LinkedIn recently talking about, you know, is it, the bigger you get, the bigger the shadow gets. So the industry is built, and again, certain different parts of the industry are built in different things. So if you go to America, it's very heavily personality-driven. It's very heavily, it's all about you being the guru. And 
I always, if someone introduced me as a guru, I hate, I hate that. It. I'll tell you why, because yeah, I'm not, I'm still a student, right? I'm still learning. I'm still studying. I'm still doing courses. I'm still getting coaching on different things. I'm, I like, I, I'm going to be, you know, someone said, oh, what are you going to be like when you retire? I said, I'm never going to retire because retiring assumes I don't want to learn anything else. I don't want to get any better. You know, I was out, I was, the, I spent the weekend with my wife. We went, went um, and did a barista course. I had to learn how to become a pro- professional barista. You know, it's always good to have a backup plan in case the speaking doesn't work out. But, <laughs> you know, the reality was it's like I'm interested in learning and growing and developing. And it's like, well, if that's the case, why would I ever want to step off the stage? Why would I ever want to stop? But the you know, the, every time you walk on stage, this is how I think about it as an artist. And I can't remember who said it. And I would love to give them credit. But somebody said something and, and it... It's so resonated with me because what they said was that if somebody's coming to a show of yours 10 years from now, you don't ever want anyone to say, oh, I remember Paul Avins. I saw him 10 years ago and he was great then. Yeah, not so good now. I want someone to walk in and go, do you know what? I saw Paul 10 years ago and I've seen him now and he is like so much better. He's on like another level compared to where he was and he was good then. That's the that's the bar I'm striving for. Like like how, I don't want anyone to come in and go, oh yeah, I saw you a year ago. You were you were good. This one was meh. It's like so, and that creates a massive internal pressure every time you every time you run. I mean, we're about to run a two day event, and it's it's two weeks of prep to run a two day event because we everything is choreographed. We're, we're paying attention to everything: the color of the napkins, the color of the pens, down to the minute. In a minute by minute, we go through two days and, and, and decide what's going to happen here. What's the emotion we're trying to get people to feel here? What's what's the exercise they're going to be doing here? How you know how are we going to choreograph that? How do we give people not just education but edutainment so they come out feel inspired to act? Because in my view, is it, as a speaker, we shouldn't be measured on whether we did you know whether we got standing ovation. Yeah, okay, great. Whether but that's ego. That's ego. The the measurement for me is seventy two hours after you heard me speak. Has, have you taken action on what I covered and what I talked about? That's the metric. So like if I follow up with you in 72 hours and say, hey, listen, you know, what have you done as a result of my speaking, of my, of my training, my event, whatever? How, what have you done? That's the measure of success to me. That's my metric. It's like that's what I'm interested in because that moves the needle. Whether you thought it was great on the day and you were, you know, you know Zig Ziglar used to talk about motivations like taking a shower. You have to do it every day because it doesn't last very long. And it's like, great, I can pump you. If you want to get pumped up, great. But that doesn't last. If, if, I move, if I shift you emotionally, if I move you and I give you practical and tactical tools you can walk out and use to make your life, your business better, you know, and scale your business up and do that. If I can give you practical things and I give you the, the energy to go do it for 72 hours because it will fade out, that's a given. But if I can get you to start taking action in 72 hours, there's a chance we can get momentum and momentum gets results. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to change your life in two days or one day or an hour. I'm trying to get you to take a small enough step that you start to believe that it's possible and then that you start to get momentum because that's the hardest thing to get. It's the easiest thing to lose and it's the hardest thing to get. Mm, I love that. Um, we're just going to quickly do a little commercial break here and then we will return with some more questions. One of them will be, what do you think people make or get wrong as a speaker, but we'll come back to that question in a minute, Paul. You're listening to the Public Speaking Expert Podcast, and this episode is sponsored by Paul Avins. 
who does scale-up boot camps and many more things. So make sure you listen to the end of the episode so you can find out how to connect and find out more about what Paul gets up to. We record these episodes weekly and we release them every single week full of tips, tools and techniques for you not only to be a great speaker, but to speak your greatness. Jose and I are both professional speakers, so if you'd like to book us, invite us to come and speak at your event at your conference, just reach out to us either through the website thepublicspeakingexperts.com or through our Instagram, The Public Experts Speaking Show, and we can absolutely cater for your events as long as it's not a wedding or bar mitzvah. Otherwise, do follow us, like and subscribe, and if you leave a comment, make sure you send us a picture of it and we will send you a copy of our book when it's out but for now i'll send you a copy of my book speak influence self as a thank you make sure you like subscribe and leave us a positive comment till the next time okay there we go a word from your sponsor so there we are paul what do you think speakers get really wrong in this industry on the space from your experience um, could we clarify the question? I'll tell you why. Do we mean in terms of present, uh, actually presenting skills, or do we mean marketing skills, or do we, where where where, where would you like to, like to answer? Where, which where do you want to take that question? Because you mentioned already your frustration at speakers not utilizing their tools correctly. Um, right. So that's one aspect that you've already mentioned they get wrong. So we can elaborate on that. But also, I think, you know, when I talk about when I work with speakers myself and I help them to become commercial, I talk about the packaging aspect and you have to think of yourself as much more than a, a speaker. Now you have to be marketable. You have, like an artist, you need to package. You need your single that's going to open up so people buy an album. Right. If we carry on with that, that kind of metaphor. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff I see they get wrong. Number one is the entitlement mindset or they think that their story is enough uh, to get them booked and get them paid thousands, thousands of pounds. So for you, if I, where do you feel that speakers get it really wrong? And wherever you want to take that question, I'm going to let you go with it. Well, it, okay, I, I should preface any answer by saying um, I think I've made an awful lot of mistakes in my career, a huge amount, and I'm sure I'll still make a, a ton more of mistakes um, over the time that, I've, that I continue to do this. But that's part of the learning process, right? So I definitely think I had a period where I over-relied on PowerPoint too much. I became too dependent on the tech. And that was a that was a really valuable lesson when i you know and then you lose the tech and it's like well what happens if you lose all the tech you know, i remember a laptop blowing you know blowing up just before i was about to go and do a two-hour workshop wow. and the hard drive blew and that was that and it's like hmm okay that's trying to teach me something there in terms of i've become over-reliant on the technology so i think for me it's about uh, what i would call a blended presenting uh, skill set is one of the things that i think you have to be able to use so like, okay, here's one. Um, you have to be able to use videos in a presentation, providing it supports the narrative and the journey you're trying to take the audience on, right? Not replaces you, because otherwise they're just sitting watching TV and they could do that at home, so why do I need you? But there's, a, there's you know, again, small thing, but it happens a lot. We bring speakers into our events and they'll go, okay, great, I've got a video. And you'll say, yeah, brilliant. And they'll say, oh, you know, I'm going to click on here and I'm going to go to YouTube to watch it on the internet. And I'm like, what, why are you doing that? Like, it's not hard now to you know to to take the video off it's fairly simple software so you can do that to rip the video put it and embed it in your powerpoint so that you're not reliant on the internet from the hotel being good plus why do you want it going to a youtube video with ads on it and stuff like that 
So again, that's just a knowledge thing of going, look, I don't, I, I'm letting the technology determine me as a speaker, not going, what's the, what's the creative journey I'm trying to, to put in place and then going to have the technology support the story. I think one of the things I did, I didn't do early enough was, um, understand for me how to really use flip charts. And in fact, I had a massive phobia. It was one of the things that really held me back in my career for the first probably five years of my career. Because I'm dyslexic, I, my handwriting is not particularly great. Same. Uh, can always freelance as a doctor if I needed, I suppose, to write prescriptions out because it's that bad. But, but it was a real challenge for me because um, going on stage and writing on a flip chart, I would spell things incorrectly. And that was a fear. I had a massive fear about that. And, and I think for me, then I decided to go, look, I've got, to, I've, got to, you know, I've got to make my weakness one of my strengths. So I've got to, how do I turn a weakness into being one of my strengths? How do I make it something that actually is now a massive asset in my, in my toolbox as opposed to it's a liability, it's something I worry about? So then I, you know, I did training on how to properly use flip charts and how to tell stories using flip charts. And a simple thing that so many speakers do that just don't do that can make your flip charts better is, and it, and it stuck with me for years, is never, ever, 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 do you think I did I emphasize that enough ever right like yep. use less less than three colors on a flip chart and yet you'll see tons of people go up and just use black and you're like why do you not use red to underline something why do you not use green to highlight words why are you not playing with color and embracing color is that artist thing right again it's that no no I'm gonna I'm gonna just use black because that's the only because that's the only pens that they give me or hotels give you really bad look hotels are not trainers <laughs> and speakers they give you lousy flip chart pens because they don't know any better Go out and invest cheap. in your own kit, right? <laughs> Go out, you know, I don't ever travel anywhere without a full set of, um, there's a specific type of odorless um, flip chart pens that, that I found that I love to use. Yes, they're not cheap, but you know what? I, if, I'm on, if I'm in a small room and I have to use pens, the last thing I want to do is everyone being high on the fumes and we've all been there and had that experience. That's another one. That just like invest in the right t- kit to, in to take yourself seriously. I always travel with all the adapters and backup adapters. So I'll have a set. My team will have a set. I'll always have um, long HDMI cables because you can guarantee that where you want to put the, the <laughs> laptop, the you know, <laughs> guarantee, absolutely guarantee the hotel will not have had thought of that and they will not have a very long HDMI cable. So again, it's this, it's this thing of going, look, if I'm a professional, I should have every single thing I need to make an awesome event with me at all times because mm-hmm. there's a pretty good chance I'm going to be somewhere where I'm going to have a spontaneous opportunity. A speaker does I've been... I can't tell you, I've had three or four big speaking opportunities that came up because the other speaker got ill, couldn't make it. And, and the, the person in the room you know, knew me and said, listen, can you jump up and can you do something? And I'd like, yeah, great, what do you want? I've, I've got a keynote on this or this, which one do you want? Oh, great, yeah, can you do that? Have you got it with you? Yeah, of course. Or I can just do it on flip charts. You know, anytime, I could, anytime somebody could say, well, can you, just, can you do 20 minutes? I'll go, yeah, sure, give me a flip chart. I'm good to go. I've got my pens with me. Off I go. And it's, it's being in that, um, what I would always call speaker ready mindset of like wherever I travel, you know, there's this kit in my car or this kit in my briefcase. This kit, I'm never going to be somewhere I'm going to get caught out without my kit, right? That's never going to happen to me because I make sure I've got multiple kits in, in one in each place wherever I go. And it's that mindset, I think, of going, look, I'm a speaker. Anytime there's a job opportunity, I want to be able to grab it with both hands and, and be able to do it. The other one I would say, that really kind of blows my mind as well is that is, is, is if you do this and I'm going to give them a massive competitive secret now, is that all right? Cause it's yeah, kind of something it. I do that not many other people do. And as soon as I say this, loads of people are going to do it, but I'm happy with that. It's like, good. Let's Jose, raise the standard. Be careful. Is, is if you go and do, I get invited. I've done not so much now, but I used to do a lot of free events, you know, where you'd go and, f- and speak for free and then somebody would so. say, well, then you can talk about your product and program and something like that. The, the thing that I started doing that seemed to absolutely change the room and, and the results was that I started giving out a, hand, a workbook 
with, when I would go and speak for free. So we'd go and speak for free and I would give everybody a worksheet, like a six page worksheet. And then I would go through my presentation and obviously, and I would take 50 to 100 of them if it was a big room and I would give everybody one. And in my head, that's a piece of marketing. That's a piece of marketing collateral that 100 people are going to walk out with when they leave, whether they buy from me or not, but they're taking that collateral out. And, and the feedback that got me and the amount of extra times people would invite me back and the increase, the results six months later that were still coming in off that work, worksheet that the people had taken away with them, massive. But most people in my experience won't invest in a designer, won't invest in getting it properly worked out, you know, and, and the artist in us wants to stay creative and spontaneous. So why would I want to give the same presentation too many times? It's like, it's that, it's that. So we get stuck and then we don't create assets. It took me... One of the biggest mistakes I made in my career was it took me way too long to create really good digital and physical assets. It took me far too long. And the minute I started investing in a really good brochure for a program that we had, that was when the program took off, right? That was when people go, okay, I can buy it now. I say, I understand, I get it. That's what it is. And that, that brochure, one brochure in particular generated a client who spent £180,000 with us in two years. And you go, well, so was it expensive to do the brochure? Yeah, I paid a copywriter and a graphic designer and then I got it printed. It probably cost... I don't know, 3,000 all in, 4,000 maybe, three grand probably. But that generated, that one sale was 180,000 pounds. So good return on investment? Yes, massively. But if you haven't got the cash flow yet, there's that internal fear of like, if I spend this money, what if I don't get it back? And my view is, yeah, but what if you don't spend the money? Like, you're never going to get it back. It's like mm. cash follows assets, right? It's one of the biggest fundamental business laws on the planet. Cash follows assets. And if you, if you haven't got any assets in your business, be it book, website, video, they're all assets. The more assets you create, the more cash flow you're going to generate. So the question isn't how do I make more sales? The question is how do I create more assets that add value to people so that the cash flow comes to me because I'm creating assets that, that create value for other people. So there's a few that really kind of blow my mind about. And I, I, I recently hired somebody, brilliant speaker, 5,000 pounds for a couple of hours of speaking to one of my masterminds. And I had to teach him how to use flip charts, you know, because he was just using one color and like brilliant speaker, great content. But I'm like, that's one of your tools, right? If it's a tool, if you in slide decks, one tool, flip charts is another handout is another video is another. I don't, I mean, and anytime I have a speaker, I carry one of those around, you know, like the road mics. Oh yeah. The, and, and because, uh, so I'll, I'll record myself if I'm speaking anywhere and this is down to Joe. Shout out to Joe who runs um, Shatter Media for me. Like, this is him because, do you know what? We've created so many uh, audio clips and sound bites and stuff like that where I'm out in the moment not thinking about it. And and the biggest shift for me was when I stopped trying to create content. Yeah, yeah there we go. Snap, look. Stopped trying to create content and just started to capture it. Stopped trying to ca- create it and just started to capture it. Like, when I, when I got that light bulb, when that went off in my head, that was a game changer for yeah. me. And it was like... Uh, that completely and utterly that and i suppose that's another asset isn't it and it's like if you don't invest in stuff like this you go as 180 quid or whatever it is right yeah that's money and i get it and it's it's a significant amount of money but really compared to the profit margins in the speaking business it's it's a small investment compared you know i'm fortunate i I coach clients in industries where they'll spend a hundred thousand two hundred thousand pounds on a piece of machinery or a building or something like that and you go wow in our industry the the amount we have to spend (laughs) To generate yeah. significant profit margins, it's actually not very much at all. And, you know, the other, I suppose, the biggest single mistake I suppose I see speakers make all the time is thinking that you can just generate clients on social media alone. Yeah, you not can't. anymore. You can't. It might have been you, a day, gotta, but not anymore. Yeah, you've got to, you know, you can't do that. You have to spend money on paid ads and paid traffic. 
you have to have that as part of your overall strategy. It can't be just organic all the time. You haven't got enough time in the day and there isn't enough reach and the algorithms are changing too fast. There's got to be an element of, you know, it's a blended approach. So just going social, you're going to find your life really painful. And not that it can't work. It can, but it, it's magnified when you spend money on paid traffic, in my experience. It's, it's, it magnifies your social anyway. So yeah. you get much better results. That, that would be a few anyway. I don't know if that's on no, your list. Brilliant. Yeah, no, I thought that? that was great stuff. Yeah, on that note, so I, like you, I carry around, uh, this is a um, Sabin Tech uh, mic. And it's funny because you kind of end up thinking in two levels. You're thinking about speaking, like, wait a minute, a great moment's coming in. You press record. And then I record it and I extract it and I use that for social media just to literally like Gary Vee style tasters of me, like, you know, having thought leadership moments. And I've even started doing that when I do virtual ones. So I'll have my little stand here next to me and I'll just put my phone there. And when I feel a, a moment of genius coming, I'll just press record and then I'll chop that and put that on my TikTok or put that on various channels. And then what you're doing is you're creating content. Now, I never give away what I'm getting paid for, so to speak, but it's just yep. little nuggets that I feel would add value and therefore help that. So when you talk about the blended approach, I was talking like an, an octopus, right? You've got this octopus with all these tech and social media and the different channels. But the top of it, the core of it is you. And you've got all these arms. Uh, and of course, you need to find a way to do that in a way that's leverageable, doesn't consume your time and everything like that. <clears throat> so I think it's absolutely brilliant what you're sharing in terms of mistakes. I see that all the time with speakers as well, pro speakers who just make the fundamental basic mistakes like flip charts. I'm dyslexic, so I used to get my team to pre-write them. So I just used to go over the lines uh, with my when I used to do my big two-day seminars, which I haven't done for a while now. All those little tricks of the trade that you kind of, so you can show up in excellence because people aren't as forgiving, right? And so I used to tell people at the beginning, look, I'm dyslexic, I'm going to misspell. But you always get that one person that's unforgiving as a, like a grammar, relentless. No, that's not good enough. You're meant to be this level. No, 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 no. You know, and you just don't want to deal with them anymore. But, but when you use those little techniques, it just eliminates that, right? I, I remember this is, a, this is a really embarrassing story, but I'll tell you it, right? Because it kind of makes the point. Um, I remember early on in my coaching career, so I was probably in my first year or two, a year, year and a half. And I remember back then, I don't do it now because nobody reads them. Um, but back then, we used to generate a, as part of the product, we'd go and see them, consult with them and generate like an 80-page report. And the majority of it was not templated, but there was a, there was 60 pages of templates, which I didn't get on with at all. But then there was this whole thing you were supposed to write yourself. And being dyslexic writing really is a challenge for me. And um, anyway, I did this. I did it, put it off to the last minute because I obviously, if you don't like doing something because it doesn't make you feel good, you tend to put it off, put it off and eventually gave it into this client. And then he, he rang me up the next day and said, you need to come and see me. I'm not happy. So I went to see him <laughs> and he gave, he gave me back the document um, with all the red, like it was a school lecture. I mean, but I mean, at the time I was 33 years old and I looked about 12 but, um, but <laughs> you know, he gave this thing back to me with all these spelling highlights and all this kind of stuff. And I remember sitting there thinking, I've got really interesting. This is an interesting because at the time the business was really new, right? We, we maybe had four or five customers. So, like, we, I needed to keep this customer. It was like, like, I can't afford to lose this customer at the time. And I remember saying to him, look, I, I just put it down and I said, look, can I be really honest with you? He said, yeah, what? I said, I said hey, I'm a dyslexic. I said, I shouldn't have done that because that's not my skill set at all, writing reports. I said, well, I've got a question for you. I said, are you actually paying me to help you learn how to scale and grow your business or do you want to pay me for being good at spelling? Which one are we doing? Because if it's the good at spelling, I'm going to leave because I can never do that. If you want to learn how to grow your business, because I've done that three times in my career by the time I was 30 and you're 50, so I'm going to pretty much figure out that I know some stuff that you don't that could serve you and could benefit you. 
if you want to know that stuff, how about we agree that I won't ever write anything to you again and we'll do the whole of this coaching <laughs> with a phone-based relationship or a, or a communication like this. And he sort of looked at me and smiled and went, all right, fair enough. I, all right, I'll buy that. And so like, and we got, we had a great relationship for about 18 years before, 18 months before that one kind of finished and he won, went on to do some other stuff. Um, and, but it was in that, it was like, I'm not setting myself up to win here. It's like, I'm actually, I, yeah. I, I, there's a part of my business that is designed not to go with who I am and be in flow. And I think as, you know, that's that whole kind of thing of like, you've got to set your business up to put you in the space where you're doing the stuff that's uniquely yours, that you're uniquely brilliant at, and then use technology and teams to leverage and, and get everything else off your desk. And if that's all you do, then you're going to be successful. But most people, the other big, here's the other big single mistake I've seen actually is speakers trying to do it all themselves and not yeah. hiring or outsourcing yeah. period right like and that's just not speakers by the way that's just about every business owner i ever talked to says they took too long to hire their first or second person on the team and they they hung on to too much stuff for, for way too long so that that was the biggest single shift in my life um eight years ago was when i made the decision to shift from me to we from going, look, it can't be about me anymore. That's ego. It's got to be about teams. It's got to be about we, and it's got to be about hiring people. And, you know, that's why, you know, in, in eight years, I've been very lucky to, you know, to, to build and grow four different companies in eight years. And that's not because I'm a genius. That's because I actually hire really amazing people around me and let them do what they're naturally brilliant at and go out and spread the message and share that and use my talent to spread the message about the problems we solve for people. That's, that, that's the difference. And I think that's the biggest single mistake that holds the most solopreneurs self-employed people whatever you want to label yourself as right but it, it the minute you start to realize that actually you're never going to be able to play at a big enough level unless you have talented people around you part-time or full-time but you've got to get people around you yeah absolutely so before as we start to wrap this up jose what you got because you've unmuted yourself and i can hear your darth vader breathing so let's do this. yeah darth vader is coming up uh paul well, brother, it's been a pleasure to have you here and so much knowledge and, you know, knowledge bombs you've been dropping today. I'm sure the whole audience is going to really benefit from it. So I wanted to say thank you so much. And the last thing, if you could, you know, just in a way summarize everything that you said and give three main tips to speakers out there, because you've already shared many more. But if you could just, you know, summarize it all and just give us like three huge knowledge bombs to end up with well, what would they the other ones I've already exactly or or, or or if you could or or if you could pick actually the best three ones for you if you could go guys one two three off you go <laughs> I, i'd go back to what i said at the beginning on one of them right which is realize that you're the product and if you want to earn 10 times more money in the next three or four year five years you've got to figure out how you're going to become 10 times more valuable so how, how, what are you going to invest in you? What do you, what do you, how are you going to get coaching? How are you going to get trained to be a much better version of you three years from now and then work backwards? So what does that look like? If you want to earn £100,000 a month, you're going to need to become somebody who creates a massive amount of value to, for that money to flow to you. So figure out what it is you're trying to get your speaking business to look like and then work out who you need to become as a speaker and a marketer and a leader and a team, a manager essentially or a leader in order to pull that off right so because most people don't know what it even looks like they go oh i'd like to earn a hundred thousand a year okay great how how are you going to do it what's the business plan what's the financial model like 80 percent of business owners are walking around with nothing written down it's all in their head so you've got to put it down on paper and then work out who do you need to become and what skills do you need to learn 
All right, and then set daily standards to improve your skills. That, that's number one. Um, number two, um, get really good and really comfortable on video and, and just pu- uh, get really good at being highly visible. I hid for far too long in my career. I hid for far too long. I was definitely not somebody who was particularly comfortable being visible um, for various different reasons. Um, had real issues with rejection and stuff like that. We can talk about that another time if you want, but that was that was a really big thing for me to deal with. Um, and therefore, visibility comes with a level of rejection and people not liking what you're doing if you're visible. Um, so, But get comfortable with video and visibility. And then finally, and I say this to every single client, any event I'm ever at or anything I've uh, ever say is, is this is the single biggest lesson for me is that you get paid on what you get done. Nobody cares about what you're going to talk about. Nobody cares about what you're doing on social media. Results speak. For, results speak. So stop telling people you're going to be a great speaker. Stop telling people you're going to have a great business. Go out and actually build it. Go out and get it done. Go out and put in the work, put in the hard out, put in the hours. You know, and and do the do the hard work, do the boring work, as one of my mentors says. Just do the stuff that isn't sexy, and put in the time and put in the hours. And it's like you get pa- that's what you get paid on what you get done. The, the Tony Robbins says that people who are I can't remember the quote exactly, but something like people who are celebrated in public spend hours and hours and hours practicing in private. And I think that's that's the thing is like get good at the craft. You know, I, I spent, I can tell you, there's me and a, a very good friend of mine. We used to meet up most um, Friday afternoons for two hours and practice flip charts with each other. Just practice flip charts. Just draw draw flip chart. And then we go, no, that's crappy. That's rubbish. Get rid of that. Do it. And just, 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 like, you got to commit to the craft. You know, you got to commit to the craft. You're not going to become, no, Picasso didn't start out being brilliant, right? Coldplay didn't start out being fabulous. They spent hours. Go back to the Queen analogy, Right, Queen with it. Why did Queen make? Why was Queen so good at Live Aid? Why were they the? Why out of all the bands that were on the uh, Live Aid, why did Queen smash it? Because Queen were the only one that spent two weeks in rehearsal in a studio, eighteen hours a day, rehearsing for a twelve-minute or eight-minute or eighteen-minute sketch, the, the time frame that they got. They were the only ones who hired a studio, and they're the only ones who spent the time in rehearsal. And of all the bands we remember from that event, that one, 60% of everyone who ever watched that, according to Paul Gambaccini, said that they were the ones that smashed it out of the park. Why? Because they did the hard yards. They did the silent work. They did the stuff that nobody saw. And that's that's what gets results. So commit to being... Sorry. I was just going to say, commit to to greatness before it shows up. Just commit and do the the work because you get paid and what you get done. Yeah, and they also had an incredible charismatic uh, frontman, and that, that helps. And that's what you say about being being visible. And I'd say this to a lot of people: nothing but prolific will do these days. And I think that's mm-hmm. the standard for you to truly stand out and be more giraffe, which is what we talk about. And I think it's been an absolute pleasure to to have you share your golden nuggets and to Thank listen you. to some of your insights. So, Paul, how do people get in touch with you? What do they do? How do they do it? When do they do it? When, when do they do it now? Obviously now. Everything <laughs> should always be when do you do it now is the answer to that question. Um, the good news is I'm really easy to follow and find on social media because my name is fairly unusual in its spelling. So A-V-I-N-S. Um, there are not many of us around. So paulavins.com is where you can find out um, lots of things I do. There's a free training on there about scaling your business called the Scale Up Masterclass. You can take that there. Or there's a quiz where you can go through and find out how ready your business is to actually scale. You can go to that. So you can go to Scale Up Masterclass. .co.uk or you can go to scaleupscorecard.co.uk both of those tools are completely free of charge um, or you can go on to paulavens.com and there's tons of quality content on there and you can you know download my latest uh, ebook all that kind of stuff or just follow me on LinkedIn I post 
um, tips, videos, value every day on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is one of my favorite platforms and, and the YouTube channel as well that we have. So yeah, just, just, yeah, I'd love to help anybody else in this industry. I'm passionate about the industry and I just, thanks for the opportunity to give back to the industry. I really appreciate it. Oh, pleasure. Jose, final thoughts? Paul, as I started, I mean, thank you so much. It's amazing the amount of knowledge you've shared in less than an hour. I mean, we've invited many speakers here, but you've been like knowledge after knowledge after knowledge after knowledge and very easy to apply as well. Some of them for people willing to go and do it. Really, it's not that complicated. It's just wanting to do it and putting the time and being consistent. So thank you very much. People follow, connect with Paul, join his master classes, visit his events, keep in touch and remember to always speak your greatness, people. Have an amazing, amazing day, morning, afternoon, or evening, depending when you're listening life. to Life. Just have an amazing life. It covers all Have, have an amazing life. There we go. Boom. That's it. Perfect <laughs> way to end it. Take oh, I forgot to put the volume up. Oh, volume yeah. up. With That's the outro. and Jose Ucar. Follow us on Instagram and join us next week for even more. Remember to always speak your greatness. Subscribe, rate, and comment.